When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're not moving on. We're not just going to drop COVID and move on. We're gonna, not going to let these people get away with it. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to give you an update on Russia, Ukraine, Emerald Robinson, Daryl Cooper, all that coming up on I'm Right. You ever talk to an abused woman, wife, or maybe you've done some work in the past with a woman's shelter of some kind? If you haven't, and that's on your heart, I would recommend it because God bless those women, right? But let's just say, if you have, you will undoubtedly run into something over and over and over again. And it's awful, but it is something that's really, really consistent in abusive relationships. And what is that something? Well, Let's say you're a piece of trash who abuses his wife. You abuse her verbally, physically, just, you're just a piece of garbage. You abuse your wife. And then, eventually, either you'll have a moment where you feel bad, or you think, you're, you're, all, you're always watching her, right? So they're always just manipulative pieces of garbage. You have a moment where you're looking at her and you say to yourself, man, I bet she's about fed up. I bet she's going to take off, run out on me. And this is what they do over and over and over again. It is stunning how often you hear this story. This is what they do. Oh, honey, you know, let's stop fighting. Why don't we, let's stop fighting. I love you. Look, we're not enemies. We're not, let's stop with this fighting stuff. You want to go out to dinner? Let's go get a steak tonight. Whatever you want, honey. Here, I got you some flowers. Textbook, abusive, manipulative evil 
whatever you want to call it, it takes place time and time and time again in abusive relationships. And right now, that's exactly what the federal government is doing to you. Not just federal government, state government to city governments. We were wronged for two years. You were abused for two years. Your government, at various levels, told you you weren't essential, told you to wear some stupid piece of cloth on your face, stand six feet away from people, you can't bury your mom, your father, you have to watch your wife die through a pane of glass, your brother died from an overdose, your sister killed herself, your child who had a learning development problem got worse, got a lot worse. Two years, your government, the people in your government, the people in your system, the administrative state too, two years, they told you don't do this, and they did it. Two years, don't you dare go out to eat. Sorry, they went right out to eat. Two years, don't you gather with friends and family. They gathered with friends and family. Two years, you don't get to have a funeral for your father. Oh, your dad, World War II veteran? No, social distancing, COVID, haven't you heard? Then St. John Lewis retires and about a million people gathered shoulder to shoulder to honor old St. John. Two years of these people taking every medication they told you not to take. Two years of it. They took monoclonal antibodies to get over COVID and then banned them. You were abused in an evil way for two years, always in the name of the greater good, of course, always in the name of the greater good. And now I see it happening. They're going to do the, hey, I love you, let's stop fighting routine. Joe Biden did a little of it the other night, and that's not even what makes me angry. It's what makes me angry is, is this. I believe it is going to work on a huge percentage of people. The same reason it works on those women God bless them, who have been abused. You want it to stop. You want the yelling, the fighting. You want everything to stop. And if they just, look, if it sounds like it's going to stop because we can get along again, then people will do it. No. There must be a reckoning. And I don't mean this person has to resign or this person has a nasty article written about them. I'm talking arrests. People placed in handcuffs, people at the FDA, people in the CDC, people in state governments, city governments, federal governments, arrested, and then public trials and sent off to prison for a long time. I want everyone who took part in this abuse of the American people to lay awake at night in terror that there will be a knock at the door and somebody placing handcuffs on them for what they did to the American people. Because rest assured, if you're a governor and you took Regeneron to get over COVID and then took away the authority for doctors to prescribe Regeneron so people died in their lung fluid, you're a murderer and I believe you should get the death penalty. That's how serious this is. We're not moving on. We're not just gonna, oh, thank goodness it's over. Nope, we're not moving on. We must have a reckoning. Heavy D apparently is fed up with it too. Good for him. I'm good, you know what, good for Heavy D. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. All right, well, it's good to be at USF.
Good for him. Oh, but he can't do that. He can't take off the masks. Your mask is stupid. It was always stupid. On day one, it was stupid. On day 15, it was stupid. On day 600, it was stupid. It was always dumb. Not only was it dumb on you, on your child, it was flat out abusive. We have all these studies coming out now. 90% of the particles get through the masks anyway. Your mask never did a thing. Oh, actually, I take that back. That, that's not true. I almost forgot. Teenage girl suicides went up 50% during all this. You see, there is a cost, a very real cost to telling people, cover up your face, cover up your face. There's a very, very, very real cost. We have taken away childhoods in this country for nothing, for nothing. This kid, the kid who took his mask off behind Heavy D, I'm be as nice as I can. I mean, here's his mom. I'm responsible for him, and I told him to wear that mask. And Governor DeSantis, and he's looking at this adult authority and, and he's telling him, oh, you don't have to wear the mask. What was your reaction when you heard the governor tell you and your classmates, remove your masks? Um, a bit of surprise and shock, more of, okay, this authority, author, this authority figure is asking me to do something that I know is probably going to end up being controversial. So. I took mine off. Did you feel pressure by the governor to do that? Mm. Um, a little. It was more of a pressure of an adult figure asking me to do something, and it's just like, all right, why not? It's just shocking that the governor told these kids, take off your mask. It, it, he pretty much said, take off your mask, is stupid. And take off your mask, your parents don't matter. Even though I'm, I'm telling you, parents matter. And he's telling my minor child to take off his mask. He's putting us at risk. So, uh, oh yeah, to I was upset, very upset. Mm. Yeah, I'm upset too. I'm upset too the insanity in this country has now filtered down to parents who are more than happy to abuse their own children. This has become simply commonplace. Parents are too stupid or evil to stop the abuse of their own children. I want my perfectly healthy teenage son to wear a mask around. Lady, you're a moron. No, I don't have to be nice. I'm done being nice. It's time for a reckoning. The morons need to be told they're morons. The evil people need to be told they're evil. I'm tired of this pussyfooting around everything in this country. I'm done with it. Joe Biden? Joe Biden wants us united? Last year, COVID-19 kept us apart. This year, we're finally together again. Let's use this moment to reset. So stop looking at COVID as a partisan dividing line. See it for what it is, a god-awful disease. Let's stop sending each, seeing each other as enemies and start seeing each other for who we are, fellow Americans. No, we're not fellow Americans. We are enemies. Joe Biden is my enemy. People at the FDA, CDC, they're my enemy. Everyone who took part in this farce for two years, you're absolutely my enemy. I don't want to be friends with you. I don't want to bridge some divide with you. I don't want to live at peace with you. I'm not going to do the abused person thing with you. Okay, let's all get along. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. We can live in peace the second Joe Biden walks in the studio right now, gets on his knees in front of me, kisses my shoes, and begs my forgiveness for what he and his disgusting party have done to this country. Then maybe I'll find it in my heart to forgive.
You don't get the emails I get. I'm sure you've seen them online. Jesse, my parents, they won't even come see me anymore. They've never met their grandkids. Jesse, my brother cut me off. We were always so close. Jesse, I sob every night. I had to say goodbye to my husband over a Zoom call. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. We are enemies. We are enemies now, and we're going to stay enemies until you beg my forgiveness. People have normalized stuff like this. A child can't go say hi to Winnie the Pooh. There's Pooh Bear. Oh, you can't go, you can't go hug, you can't hug, you can't hug. Sorry, sorry. I didn't know she was going to run up on him. Aww. We're not going to live at peace. We've played it for you before on this show. I'm not going to play it again, but you've seen these videos of like these daycare workers sobbing, little boys trying to take their masks off and the daycare workers sitting there strapping the mask on their face. I'll tell you what, we can live at peace the second that daycare worker gets arrested and gets a mask duct taped to their ugly face and thrown in a prison cell for a couple days. Then we can have peace. Once I get my reckoning, then we can have peace. Until then, no. And I don't want peace. I don't have any desire for it. I don't want things to quiet down and calm down. I want things to ramp up. I'm done with this garbage. And you know, Dr. Fauci seems to be missing in action, but you do remember how Dr. Fauci was on TV every day and how much people loved him. The single most respected voice in the pandemic it's Dr. Anthony Fauci. The man who's become known as America's doctor. The nation's top infectious disease expert, Anthony Fauci. You are uh, seen to many as a, a superhero. Dr. Anthony Fauci, American hero and New York Yankee fan. You've done so much for this country in terms of this crisis, so I really appreciate your insight. Who better to give us answers that we can trust than Dr. Anthony Fauci? The perfect person to answer our questions today. Joining us now, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Sir, whenever you can be here, uh, it's we'll have you. It's always an honor to have time with you. Thanks for being here. It's good enough for you, sir. It's good enough for me and my family. So thank you, Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci, thank you uh, for keeping it straight. Thank you for fighting the good fight. I am sincerely appreciative that you are not walking away from this post. You make us smarter and safer and better every day. Thank you so much, Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci should be in prison. He should. You know what? If you're any one of those media hacks who went on television and called ivermectin horse dewormer, you should be put on trial too for attempted murder. I'm not going to let this go. I'm not just going to blow it off. I'm not going to move on. Oh, well. No, 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 no. Two years. They abused you. There must be a reckoning. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. we got a great show for you tonight. We're going to do a little foreign policy, a little reality check next about the whole Russia-Ukraine thing. But first, let's talk about Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier ever. You see, I don't own one Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I own three of them. The air, it, you can taste it when you plug it in. It took away my allergies. And they have a deal right now for my viewers. If you go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the code JESSE, they're selling three packs for under 200 bucks. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. We'll be back.
thing. You know, I was at the State Department. The president was the vice president the last time Russia invaded Ukraine. This is a pattern of horror from this president, from President Putin and from the cronies around him. Weird. She was at the State Department. Joe Biden was vice president. The last time Vladimir Putin did something like this, it's odd. And just before we get into the whole Russia-Ukraine thing, and I'm going to give you a bitter dose of reality here, but before we get into that, this is why I call it the system, too. The system takes care of its own. All those things I tell you about the system. Jen Psaki, what does she know about the real world? She just moved right from the State Department right over into press secretary. There's already rumors that MSNBC and CNN have offered her big contracts when she's done there. Just all one gigantic club no idea how real people live, no experience in the real world at all. That is the system in action right there. I'm sure before the State Department, she was at Congressman Jerkwater's office, and before that, she went to Yale. And the... She doesn't have any idea how you live, how normal people live. None of these people do. Completely out of touch and lost. But let's get to Ukraine. This sucks. What I'm about to tell you sucks. I don't take any pleasure in saying it. But this is what I see happening out there right now. David versus Goliath. Everyone loves that story. Right? You, don't even, you don't have to be a Christian to know the story and love it. I mean, the, the scrappy teenager takes on the nine-footer and kills him with a slingshot. He had no shot, but he took it down. We love David and Goliath's stories. Makes us feel good. Makes us feel like... With all the stuff going on out there, we have a chance, right? I'm the little guy. You're the little guy. We all have a chance. We like these stories. And so because of that, and some serious media pushes, we've fallen in love with the whole Ukrainian story. You got this scrappy President Zelensky. He's not leaving. You got a bunch of pictures out there online of him in a flak jacket. Look at this warrior. He's got all these movie quotes attached to him now, whether or not he said them. But people have bought in. Everybody and their brother has a Ukrainian flag in their social media profile picture. Putin's the enemy. Fine. I'm not criticizing you for any of that. Look, I'll tell you, I'm rooting for him too. I don't like Russia. I certainly don't like Vladimir Putin. I'm rooting for Ukraine. But I think it's time we have an honest conversation about what's going on right now, about where this is going, about where this is going to end. Because people get so caught up in the story, in the Hollywood story, in the Spartan 300, and the Remember the Alamo, that they can't, they can't get accurate information. And if they do come across it, they don't want to accept it. So here's the accurate information. Ukraine's losing. They are. Because it's not a fight they can win. Russian military bogged down. Ukraine put up a heck of a fight and continue to put up a heck of a fight. So you'd be inspired by that. But remember, the Russian military is just significantly stronger than anything Ukraine can produce. And when you couple that with the flag, Vladimir Putin doesn't have an option to lose. Now, what do I mean doesn't have an option? I don't mean he goes home and <coughs> has to apologize to, to the country. Sorry, guys, I screwed up. If Vladimir Putin loses here, he probably dies. That's how Russia handles their politics. They have handled it that way for a long time. There's probably a palace coup, and Vladimir Putin ends up with a bullet in his head. He's well aware of that. He knows that. Okay, so you have a much stronger military. You have a psychopathic tyrant who can't afford to lose. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, here's what it means. Ukraine's proven to be really, really scrappy, putting up a fight. But Vladimir Putin's just going to keep ramping up when Ukraine ramps up. When you hear stories about, let's, let's, let's do a made-up story, because I realize there's people, as we speak, dying right now, so I don't want to do anything too specific. Let's say tonight. Tonight you turn on the news, maybe you're browsing social media, and you see there's this story. There's a warehouse. And these 50 Ukrainians are in that warehouse, and they've told the Russians they're surrounded by Russian troops, and they said, we are not coming out. We will never surrender. And the Russians are outside saying, uh, surrender, or we're going to kill you all. And the Ukrainians respond, no, we won't do it. Well, pause there. Pause the story for a second. What would you be doing at home? What would I be doing? Guilty as charged. You'd be cheering them, right? Woohoo! Look at the guts on these guys. This is awesome. Who are these warriors? That's good. I'd be doing the same thing you'd be doing. Okay? Let's go back to the real world. What Russia does next is blows up the warehouse and all the 50 people are dead. You're going to see an expanded version of that as we go along here. The Ukrainian resistance is inspiring, no question about it. Rooting for them, just like you. Good, good for them. It is going to result in a lot more people dying than should die. That's the reality of it. Life isn't like a Disney movie. It doesn't work that way. And let's do keep in mind the Spartan 300 died to the last man, as did everyone at the Alamo. That's how that story ends. And, and people don't understand exactly what they see, and they don't understand the stakes. So allow me to explain this. When you talk about Ukraine needing help and wanting to die, you'll see Americans say things like, well, why don't we, why don't we have a no-fly zone? Okay, well, that sounds good. How do you enforce a no-fly zone? You just say, Vladimir, don't fly here, and he stops. No, you have to enforce it with fighter planes. So you say this is a no-fly zone. Vladimir Putin says, up yours, this is my war, not yours. And he flies fighter jets into there, and you are going to shoot them down? That's an act of war. Now you have World War III on your hands with a nuclear power. That's the reality of it. Or you'll have Americans saying things right now like, why are we taking any Russian oil? We shouldn't be taking any Russian oil. And I get that. I understand. But I want to make sure we're always the adults in the room who are thinking things through and gaming this out. No more Russian oil. All right, fine. Good. We should make our own. Yes, we should, 100%. But we're not in a position right now to make 100% of the, our oil that we need. So tomorrow we cut off Russian oil. Good. You feel better about yourself? I bet you do. I bet you feel virtuous. What are you going to say to all those families, small business owners, truckers who can't afford to fill up their vehicles? What are you going to say when the cost of everything goes up as the price of fuel goes up? And normal working people living paycheck to paycheck, they get evicted from homes. Little junior can't afford to go back to school. Again, do you see what I mean? It's ugly. It is ugly. I'm giving you the reality of life. You can't, you can't get anywhere else. Everything else is raw, raw propaganda garbage. This is the reality on the ground. You'll see things like, you'll see a picture of a Russian convoy, all these armored vehicles all up and down the road. And people will say things, understandably, maybe you've said this, I'm really not making fun of anyone, You'll, people will say things like, we got to take it out. Who has to take it out? America? No, no, not America, uh, uh, the Ukrainians. 
Okay. Take it out with what? You see, life isn't like the movies, where you just snap your fingers and a fighter jet flies in. If Ukraine tries to fly a jet down to that convoy, Russia's going to meet them with Russian jets, and those Ukrainian jets are never coming home again. You see, I'm not, I didn't want this to be a di- gigantic Debbie Downer segment, but I get very frustrated when people, especially in the news, people with TV shows and radio shows, when they won't ever deliver the straight scoop to people, and therefore people end up living in a world of make-believe. I'm giving you the way it is. And I'll tell you something else. Russia, I know they're persona non grata now. Every Russian's getting banned from this and Russian's getting banned from that. Russia still produces goods the world wants, especially energy goods. If this thing ends and Russia dominates Ukraine and they set up their puppet government, and that is likely how this thing ends, you can say to yourself all day long, Russia, no one will do business with them. No, we might not do business with them. Someone will. China will, maybe North Korea will, Iran, India. Oh, Russia's going to find buyers for Russian goods. Happy endings don't always come. That's just, I thought everyone needed to hear that. All right, I know that was heavy, but happy endings don't always come. Oftentimes they don't. All right. Now, we are going to move on. We still have Emerald Robinson. We still have Daryl Cooper. We have a great show for you. But first, I want to talk to you real quickly about Praxis. Praxis. You don't have to send your kid to college. You know that. Praxis is that this is what it is. It's a 12-month-long thing for your kid. You don't have to send him to a communist university. Instead, he takes six months, and he looks into all these different fields trying to find one that may interest him. When he finds one, he goes in with a growing business, a paid internship with a growing business, So after 12 months, he has experience, boots on the ground experience, a built up resume, knows what he wants to do, and he's not a full-blown communist because he didn't go to a university. Go to discoverpraxis.com slash jesse and check it out today. Discoverpraxis.com slash jesse. No one cares how many die in the shellings in this war. You know that they brought crematoriums with them. Yes, they simply brought crematoriums with them. That is, they knew in advance that they were not going to show to their families, to their mothers, what happened to their children, that they died here, that they were killed here, that they came here to kill us, and we are defending us, our freedom, our houses, and that's why they're dying. We do not want to kill them. People say, forget about this and that, about apocalypse, the end of the world. The end of the world has arrived. Joining me now, my friend Daryl Cooper, who always has an interesting perspective on pretty much everything. He's, of course, with MartyrMaid. Everybody knows that. He's also the researcher and writer and co-host of the Unraveling podcast. Daryl, I understand that it is the new thing to throw a Ukrainian flag in your, in your social media uh, uh, picture and all that. I, I, I get all that. I don't want to be a cynical guy. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. 
But all this looks inevitable to me. It looks like there is only going to be one end to this, whether people like it or not. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. There was a lot of wishful thinking going on early on about the possibility of the Ukrainians putting up a long-term defense against Russian forces. And that really has ignored the fact that the Russians have total escalation dominance in this situation. The harder the Ukrainians make it for them, the Russians can always make it 1% harder on the Ukrainians. And we really have to ask ourselves whether it's really even better for the Ukrainians if this thing ends very quickly, or if they put up this long-term heroic resistance, which would cause tremendous suffering for the Ukrainian people. Daryl, it's so funny you brought that up because I was actually having that private conversation with the wife this morning of, look, everyone loves a David versus Goliath story. Everyone loves the Spartan 300, remember the Alamo. Everybody, everybody loves that story, but do we really want, how many Ukrainians have to die so we can cheer on a Hollywood movie story? I mean, that's, that's what it seems like is happening here. Am I out of line? Should we be doing no-fly zones and sending in the fighter jets? No, of course not. And fortunately, I think that the military brass in NATO, as well as the Department of Defense, understands that well enough to be able to push back against the politicians who who, who don't think of those kinds of considerations. Yes, but this is one of the reasons why this situation is so dangerous. Um, maybe more dangerous than the Cuban Missile Crisis. Because today, we don't have the Eisenhowers and the Kennedys and the Kennans and the Kissingers to navigate us through the situation. We are relying on a senile old man whose son was caught taking bribes from a Ukrainian oligarch. You know, that's who—that's where we are. That's who we're counting on. You know, the people who thought Iraq and Libya were a good idea, who handled the withdrawal from Afghanistan, that's who we're counting on. But then it, it may even be worse than that. Because you have to ask yourself who these people are really taking their orders from. Who's, who's Joe Biden really taking these orders from? And, and the answer in the last several years is they're basically taking their orders from the mob. You know, there's a name for this. It's called autocracy, government by the mob. You think about when Trump met Putin in Helsinki or when he was meeting with Kim Jong-un and how angry people were that Trump just showed basic politeness to these two leaders of nuclear armed states, like him or not. It didn't matter that he was putting real military or economic pressure on Russia and North Korea. It didn't matter. They wanted the emotional release of seeing the American president spit in their faces. That's the kind of demand that a mob makes. It's the kind of emotional release that a mob demands from their leaders. And that's a very frightening situation. It is a frightening situation, and you brought up nukes earlier, and I mean, I realize this has been at least in the back of everyone's mind, but I think people, I think people fool themselves into thinking that Vladimir Putin's the type of guy who wouldn't use them, or that, that people wouldn't use them. That, the history of the world is not a history of nations holding powerful military technology and not using it. That is not what the history of the world tells me. That's right, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily worry so much about a first strike on Washington, D.C., although if that was the sole target, I, uh, you know, well, I better not say that on air. Um, but I could see Vladimir Putin, for example, doing something like using a tactical nuke on a depopulated area, say a power plant or something out of the way with not a lot of people around, using a small tactical nuke just to send the message that, hey, this is on the table, just to make sure everybody's clear on that. Because the history of our relations with Russia since Putin took over has essentially been uh, dominated by this tendency of ours to not take anything that they say seriously. When they say that 
Ukraine is a red line for us. They will not join NATO, either de jure or de facto. It's not going to happen, and we will go to the map for that. We didn't believe them, and now this is where we're at. Thank you, Daryl. Much appreciated. Please come back soon. Emerald Robinson, the great Emerald Robinson, is joining us next. Now, let's talk about one share health. Health insurance. Faith-based health insurance. What does that mean? Well, you actually get customer service that cares about you. A health insurance company that cares about you, a health insurance company that actually cares about more than just you, they care about the country. 5% of your monthly when you sign up with One Share Health goes to veterans struggling with PTSD. And they have everything you could ever want. Coverage options are amazing. Pricing options are amazing. Go to my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly, promo code Jesse Kelly. We'll be back with Emerald. Vladimir Putin was counting on being able to <clears throat> split up the United States. Look, how would you feel if you saw crowds storm and break down the doors of the British Parliament, kill five cops? I think you'd wonder. Well, that's what the rest of the world saw. It's not who we are. And now we're proving under pressure that we are not that country. We're united. Kill five cops? Joining me now, my friend Emerald Robinson. Make sure you check out her substack called The Right Way. Emerald, man, did someone kill five cops and I didn't find out about it? <laughs> Well, you know, it's uh, it's a typical day in uh, Joe Biden's uh, dementia-ridden addresses. And that it was interesting to watch the State of the Union the other night because they did have learned a little something from public polling that is so poor for Joe Biden, and that is that he should sound more like Donald Trump. Emerald, we have, all right, a, a, a new filing from the January 6th committee. I know we're all waiting with bated breath to see what these findings turn out. And it turns out Donald Trump may, may have broken the law. It's just, just another bunch of garbage. Isn't it just so surprising that a highly partisan committee has somehow come up with dirt yet again on Donald Trump? I mean, imagine that. It, 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 it has all the... Uh, all the, uh, you know, details, all the uh, hints of uh, what we saw during the Russiagate investigation. Remember, targeted leaks with targeted text messages and saying from testimony under closed doors to create a narrative. And that's what we're seeing again. But it, it, it is very, the timing is very important because we're getting a lot of information on election fraud across the country, particularly out of Wisconsin. So don't mistake the timing of this potential dirt in Donald Trump's saying Donald Trump had broken the law on January 6th. And you also keep in mind who is on that committee. The Republicans, Republicans are Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. <laughs> so <laughs> take, take the dirt, take the saying of dirt for, you know, face value. Emerald, uh, I have this little video here from Wisconsin Special Counsel Mike Gableman, who you just referenced a little bit. Take a look at this. I believe the legislature ought to take a very hard look at the option of decertification. 
of the 2020 Wisconsin presidential election. Okay, Emerald, that sounds like a really big deal for a special counsel to say something like that. Who is this guy? Where is this coming from? What's he talking about? So Wisconsin has been conducting an investigation into potential election fraud into the 2020 election. As part of that investigation, you saw the special counsel there, but there was also a, a report submitted to the legislature yesterday by a retired judge. So these aren't just random people. These aren't people that are with uh, groups that they say are tied to Donald Trump or Trump supporters. This is more of an independent investigation, and I would recommend that everyone go and read that report for themselves. You can find the link on my Substack at emeralddv3.substack.com, but don't even take my word for it, though I try to break it down for you in my Substack. Read it for yourself, because there are some very important findings in this report that was submitted to the Wisconsin legislature, and I'll highlight some of those. But also keep in mind that what you're seeing in Wisconsin in this report also parlays to other battleground states like Pennsylvania and Georgia, which are also mentioned in this report. And I, when talking to people in both of those states, we're hearing similar situations. So number one, uh, this report found that the CPSCL, the Civic for Tech and uh, Civic Life, that was the Zuckerbuck, you know, we just call them Zuckerbuck, been $8.8 million in very, very blue cities. This report said uh, uh, attributes or categorizes this spending to bribery. It says it constitutes bribery because this was used for ballot harvesting, uh, nursing home voting, and that was another important aspect of this uh, report, and they gave some pretty staggering figures. In nursing homes, over 90 nursing homes in the state of Wisconsin had 100% voter turnout in nursing homes. That is an unheard of figure, a voter turn turnout for our elderly in a nursing home. It's also important to note that, particularly in Racine County, Wisconsin, the sheriff found that uh, the Wisconsin Election Commission did not dispatch the required deputies, special deputies, to oversee nursing home voting because it can be rampant for fraud, right? they can easily submit votes for uh, these elderly people. So that was one aspect of this. It's also important to note that in this report, and they go into great detail about how they're being blocked on so many fronts and trying to even investigate voter fraud, just trying to find out, not to even prove that there's not fraud there. So with the voting machines, and there's different companies in, you know, that work, uh, voting machine companies that worked in the election in uh, Wisconsin, they have subpoenaed these uh, voting machines just to try to find out, you know, everything was on the up and up and exactly what happened. But these companies do not comply or have not complied with the subpoenas. Now, the investigator, the special counsel, and the judge felt that this was wrong because they're a third-party vendor for the people. They should have to answer to the people and show how they, how they conduct our elections. They also found that a Brooklyn attorney, an attorney from Brooklyn, New York, basically ran Green Bay's, the city of Green Bay's election out of a Hyatt hotel there and had set up a private Wi-Fi connection. So lots in this report. And again, I recommend everybody goes and read it for themselves. We've been gaslit so much uh, by the corporate media and by Democrat politicians and even some Republican politicians saying there's no such thing as voter fraud. But this report is extremely detailed and it's huge and it has implications for the entire country. Okay, uh, Emerald, 
Let's say we actually do get to the bottom of this, and I'm not hopeful because, as you pointed out, the entire system seems to be highly invested in not actually digging into this. But what if, right. look, what if we dig into this and we find out, oh, my gosh, there was all this voter fraud? I guess the, the I, next question always is, what does that mean for the future? What do we do now? And that is the big debate. I think there's a lot of people who question, well, how does our Constitution align, you know, with if this was fraud? And there's the question of who is actually in the Oval Office. There's constitutional debates on that in every forum I think I visit. we I was just at CPAC. That was one of the big, big discussions, maybe not on the main stage, but with, you know, goers and politicos and pundits uh, just browsing around and having that conversation. But there is there is a question of what happens going forward. Now, Donald Trump was asked that question in regard specifically to Pennsylvania on Saturday before his address before CPAC as to if he feels confident that some of the anomalies, some of the ignoring of the laws or other uh, potential fraud from the 2020 election has been addressed going forward ahead of 2022 and 2024, he didn't sound very confident. He suggested, well, we're finding out more every day about what happened. But you can see, like in Georgia, I was just in Georgia uh, a couple weeks ago talking to people, visiting the state house there with a group of uh, Georgia citizens who were dropping off 40,000 affidavits to try to get the Georgia legislature to address what they say are election fraud and crimes and to address it going forward. So to try to fix it before the midterms, fix it before the next presidential election cycle. And they feel that the Georgia legislature is, despite what they say in the bills that have been passed, the bill, one bill specifically that's been passed, that it really has not fixed things in a great way. And they see a lot of the same practices out of the Secretary of State's office that they saw ahead of 2020. So they're extremely concerned. Okay, Emerald. That sounds suicidal for a Republican-led legislature of any state to not want greater election integrity when we know Democrats cheat. They always cheat. They're going to cheat as much mm -hmm. as they can. Why won't Republicans get on board? What's the deal? Well, I think in some states, it's not just Democrats who have been cheated. And if you look back to what Democrats have said in the past, some of them had expressed before any Republicans, especially Republican voters, ever highlighted concerns about voting technology or voting practices. Democrats had, had raised concerns about it. It doesn't, it's not that we saw a lot of more left-leaning Democrats cheating, especially via Zuckerbucks. In the 2020 election, it wasn't just Democrats who wanted rid of Donald Trump. There were a lot of establishment Republicans and a lot of those in Georgia who would have liked to have seen Donald Trump gone because his policies didn't exactly line up with how they had set up their policies, which have been very beneficial to them, both professionally and personally. Okay, Zuckerberg, you keep bringing him up. Why? He spent all this money. Is he somehow, I mean, what did he do? Well, Zuckerberg set up a, a nonprofit called the Center for Tech and Civic Life. That was a way to funnel his money. So millions and millions and millions of dollars went through this nonprofit into battleground states particularly. So you saw a lot of Zuckerbucks in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan. 
and it went primarily to very blue areas. It was spent on ballot harvesting boxes. According to this Wisconsin report, it is also tied to a ballot harvesting app in Wisconsin. They found similar ballot tracking applications in Georgia and Pennsylvania that are, are detailed a little bit in this uh, Wisconsin report. It went to, as I said, uh, turning out the vote in nursing homes. It went to lots of different different initiatives that would would benefit Democrats particularly. So it went through blue areas. There's lots of questions about how this money was spent, if it should have even been uh, received and spent. And in some areas, it was used in lieu of the public funds that were already set aside for elections. So it wasn't even necessary, begging the question, why was it used, and there's a, why was it infused in the areas, and why did those elections officials accept the Zuckerbuck? As I said, the Wisconsin report by the special counsel says it constitutes bribery, the money that Mark Zuckerberg infused into Wisconsin. How about that? Emerald Robinson, go subscribe to her Substack. Thank you, Emerald. I appreciate you. Yeah, and also check out my new show launching on March 14th on Frank Speech and Lindell TV called The Absolute Truth with Emerald Robinson. Absolutely. I'll be watching, Emerald. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse. All right. We have Light in the Mood next. All right, it is time to lighten the mood. Garbage men are impressive anyway, right? I mean, I don't know about you, when I drive by the garbage man, I think, man, that, that would be rough. Go around picking up other people's smelly crap all the time. So when a man has the art perfected, and I mean perfected, he deserves a little shout out on the show. Yo, this should be an Olympic sport, bro. That's awesome. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.